0: We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are in the middle of a series at the moment called Beyond Ordinary. We're looking at the moving of the Holy Spirit in the lives of ordinary people in the book of Acts. In the first week, Warren showed us that when our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should live beyond already. Or ordinary, always ready for more, the more that God has for us. So we should be living these lives where we ask for the Holy Spirit to come and change us, God's Spirit inside of us. In week two, we were encouraged to be aware of the moments God gives us, to be guided and directed by Him, to do what He's called us to do. And the key thing in this is that we must listen to Him and not others and not ourselves. And as we listen to God, seeing how he can use us every moment, we will find that there are opportunities that we have to speak about the life that God has for us, and the life that God wants to bring to others. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how we can share God's good news with others who don't know Jesus. So to begin with, I have a little bit of a question for you. What is... The best news you ever had, the best news you ever had, maybe it was exam results that went your way, the confirmation of a new job, Uh, that first home that finally went through, that scan coming back clear, the fact that she said yes. (laughs) What's the best news you ever had? For me, at least one of the best news uh, that I ever had was a plus sign. On a little white stick. After years of trying, literally years of trying, we got the news that not everyone is blessed to hear. And not everyone always wants to hear. But that news, but that was that my wife was pregnant. It was monumental. But here's the strange thing when you're pregnant, or when your wife is pregnant. What do they say? They say, don't tell anybody. They say you've got to keep it to yourself. Maybe it was a false positive. Maybe something could go wrong in those early weeks. And if you've celebrated too early and it doesn't work out, then it's a pretty tricky thing to pull back on. But the hard thing with that is that you then have to walk into rooms and go, I've got this great news. It's kind of bursting inside of me. And I want to tell everybody, but, but I'm not allowed to. It's kind of... I want everybody to know this best news. I'm going to have a daughter, and hopefully she's going to love me forever. Now, it turns out that's not true. It's Valentine's Day today, and I turned to my daughter this morning and said, will you be my Valentine? She went, no. (laughs) So, you know, there's ups and downs in that journey, but at the moment, it it is great news. Uh, And eventually, I did find some people who were ecstatic Uh, with me and for me, and I could share it with them, just, hey, quietly, got to let you know. And they're like, yes, this is so cool. The news was so good, I couldn't keep it to myself. And that's the way the early church treated the good news about Jesus. They would say, it's not just good news, it's the best news ever. And because it has transformed me, and we think it's, it's here to transform the world, I need to share it with other people. Now, I've got to tell you from a, a personal perspective, God changing me has been the best thing that has ever happened in my life. Who could say that about their life? The transformation that God has made in me. Now, I've known God from a young age. But as I've discovered for myself His story, As I have read and prayed and got to know him for myself, it has been amazing, layer upon layer, more and more, the way that I so think this is the best news ever. What God has done in me and what God is doing in the world around me, and the way that he's asked me to be part of that, following him, has given me the greatest satisfaction in life. Following him has given me the greatest security in life. It has given me purpose, like I know I wouldn't have had purpose. And that is the best news ever that the early church couldn't wait to share with others. Part of us being beyond ordinary is being so filled with God's Spirit, so transformed with his love that we boldly share the news of Jesus and how he reigns over all of history. Now, I know that this can be a daunting prospect. We live in a world that's pretty anti-God at times, isn't it? And some of those conversations can be difficult. We look at the early church and we think, wow, I could never do that. I'm not special like those guys were. But actually, if we look at it, Peter stands on the day of uh, Pentecost and gives this great sermon to thousands of people. And we see him there and we think, that's not me. I couldn't do anything like that. He was special somehow. But we need to remember who Peter was. Yeah, he was an apostle, but but really he was also just a fisherman. And he just became a fisher of men because he met Jesus in one moment. And what made him an apostle wasn't his intelligence, it wasn't his skills, but it was knowing Jesus and being led by the Spirit of God. Now we know Jesus and we're led by the Spirit of God. And there will be moments where even though it's hard, we can step forward and see our ordinary words be taken beyond ordinary by the work of God's Spirit. I remember the first time I led someone to Jesus. was at a youth event and I came with a group of young people to this youth event and they did a response call at the end. Hey anyone interested in following after Jesus come to the front. So a friend of mine did and I, I came with them and then they said okay we're going to take you out to a back room where people will talk with you and pray with you and they'll tell you what it means to know Jesus and they'll lead you in that. And so I went, okay, I'm supporting him, I'll go out the back. Went out the back, and then the uh, leader of that section stood at the front and said, okay, gather around in groups, and then uh, just the leader in each group, just talk them through what it means to be a Christian and pray with them. And I looked around and I went, I think that might be me. <laughs> There's nobody else here, so I have to be the one to do this. And, and I thought, I don't know what to say, I, I don't know what to do, I'm not ready for this. But I had to. And so in that moment, I saw that, yeah, God could use even me. And God can use you too. We need to listen to what God is saying. We're extending from last week. We need to listen to what God is saying. And that take that moment to step forward and speak. And that's what we see happening in the early church in the book of Acts. Uh, this week, uh, I got my, um, my Bible nerd hat on. It's an imaginary hat. I think it's blue. But I put that on and I looked through the book of Acts at the different speeches and sermons that are in there. Did you know that there are 18 different speeches and sermons in the book of Acts? Over one third, about 365 out of around 1,000 verses of Acts, is made up of these speeches. These speeches are most likely summaries of what was heard. They didn't have podcast recording equipment at the time and the stenographer couldn't quite keep up, but they, they included these summaries as best as they could remember uh, and, and probably shortened uh, and they passed them on to us. These messages were done to, by seven different speakers, uh, to Jews, to Gentiles, to church leaders, uh, to Jewish leaders, to a whole bunch of different people. We're going to have a look very soon at two of these speeches, one from Peter and one from Paul. But in the meantime, I read all these speeches this week, and I was really interested to see what they talked about. When they got up to speak, what was it that they actually shared? I wanted to see if there was a formula they used or key uh, principles that we could use as well. Now, I've come across people who try and trace out church practice all the way back to the book of Acts. and Usually they pick one passage and they say, that happened in the book of Acts to the early church, so that's what all church must be like. I'm not a big fan of that, but I thought, uh, well, if there are 17 different sermons, maybe there is a little bit of a pattern. Is there a formula? Pretty good sample size. Uh, This is the way they shared about the story of Jesus. What are we going to find? And so what I did is I had a look at 10 different elements to the gospel story that I think we often share, and I tried to track it as we went. So I'm going to put them up on the screen behind us here. Joel's going to do that for me. Thanks, Joel. Uh, And they were, I was looking to see, did they talk about sin? Did they talk about repentance? Did they talk about forgiveness and salvation? Did they talk about Jesus' death? Did they talk about his resurrection? How often did they do that? How often did they talk about Jesus being the fulfillment of God's plan for the world? How often do they talk about grace or faith or baptism or miracles proving the story of Jesus is true? Now, a lot of this, you might go, oh, who cares? But I, this really interested me. I thought this was quite a fascinating thing. I really love doing it, and if you want to do it too, uh, your numbers might come up slightly different, but uh, this was what I did. Now, if you were to rank them, what would you say the top two are? The top two out of that list, what do you think the main thing? Do they always mention sin? Do they always talk about the importance of believing this message of faith? What comes up the most? This is a little bit like a game of family feud, right? What does the survey say? Well, the survey says that the number one thing mentioned, and they say this in different ways, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan for the world. And 11 out of 18 of these summaries... They say this is a big thing that they might say to a Jewish audience, he's the Messiah. They might say to other audiences, hey, he's the fulfilment of Scripture, or they might talk about how all of history is coming together in this person of Jesus. Really interesting, isn't it? It wasn't going to be the one I would have picked was number one. Number two on the list, uh, with ten out of the eighteen, uh, or nine out of the eighteens, is the mention that uh, of the resurrection of Jesus was a major emphasis to their preaching. Whenever they talked about Jesus, they went to Jewish audiences and to Gentile audiences. They said, you know what? He's risen from the dead. This Jesus is risen from the dead. It was a key part of their story. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan for the world. And we know this is the case because God rose him from the dead. And a number of other things got mentioned around five times. The death of Jesus. They often talked about the resurrection of Jesus without mentioning his death. Interesting. Uh, The problem of sin. The need for forgiveness and salvation and the importance of miracles, either of Jesus or the miracles that were happening around them. And they're important parts of the story. and may actually have been part of the message more often, but we only get these uh, slightly shortened versions of these stories. But there are other things that are entirely missing from their sermons. The scriptures don't specifically mention social justice or the coming of God's kingdom, which is a massive emphasis in the Gospels, uh, or what life with Jesus will be like in heaven. They don't talk about that. They don't answer the question, why is there suffering in the world? And so I read all of this, and and here is my grand conclusion after that. There is no formula. They didn't have a a bridge to life memorized or a steps to peace with God or how do you know you're going to heaven tracked? Now, and there's nothing wrong with those tracks. They can be very helpful presentations of how to be made right with God. However, that's not what the early church did. Instead, what they did is they took the story of Jesus and they listened to what God was saying to them and spoke it in a way that was meaningful to their audience. The early church listened to God's spirit and spoke the story of Jesus in a way that made sense to their audience. Let's look at these two examples of how they shared the greatest news ever and see what we can get out of it. The first example we want to look at is the story of Peter talking to a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Uh, This is a great story because God really is involved in hooking these two up. He gives the centurion's name and directions to his house. He pretty much drops a pin into Google Maps and says, go there. He says to the centurion, go to Joppa. Find the beach, ask for Simon the the tanner, go to his house and get Simon Peter. He then gives Peter a corresponding vision. And so Peter goes, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go meet up with this guy, the centurion named Cornelius. And Cornelius hears Peter is coming and he gets his relatives and he gets his friends together. And they say, we want to hear this message that the Lord has given you. So Peter begins to tell his story. Acts chapter 10, verse 28. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him uh, for, uh, and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. Israel. Uh, that there is... Sorry, Joel, we're in verse 36. I've skipped ahead. Uh, We'll do from verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did through Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Have you think about Peter in this situation? He's been called to a Gentile's house, a place that he as a Jew wouldn't normally enter. He's just a fisherman, really. But he's been called to speak, and so he does. And his message actually ticks pretty much all my boxes. It mentions eight out of ten things on my list. And the other two, repentance and grace, are really implied in the message. But all he really does is tell his story. Well, I met this person named Jesus, and this is what happened with him. And this is how he came and his death and his resurrection. And we've got this message now that everyone who believes in his name and that will have their sins forgiven through his name. There's nothing, I don't think, really spectacular about this presentation about the gospel. It's just about his relationship with God. You might even say it's really quite ordinary. But, and here's the point, the Holy Spirit takes his ordinary and makes it go extraordinary. Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles, the non-Jews too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. The Holy Spirit is working in the lives of people And because they are responsive to him, they are powerfully impacted. We need to become good at telling something of the story of Jesus. But then what we should expect is that God in turn will turn up and do something through our words in the hearts of those who are receptive. We just speak and let God do the rest. One of my roles at the church at the moment is that I lead our city 6 p.m. service, our 6 p.m. service at the South City C3 building. And one of the real challenges of that role is to deal with some of the interesting characters that we get in the city. So far this year, this year, it's only February, uh, we have had one person who lay down across the steps of the building and tell people they needed to give $5 to enter into the church. Uh, We had another person call out in the middle of a response time. Another person told me he was being followed everywhere and people had put listening devices in his house. Every time they speak to me, he said, they have these glasses which record everything I say with audio as well. I thought, that's a lot of effort to go to for for you. Uh, And One of them I prayed with um, about a work situation in early January, a different person, and they, they came back on Sunday night. And they were so grateful for what I'd said and shared with them. And uh, one of our team uh, had talked with them last Sunday night, and they mentioned that since we talked and we prayed, they hadn't touched alcohol since. And I thought, that's great, but that wasn't what we talked about. We talked about their work situation. And uh, they looked at me and they said, hey, you uh, you are Christ's ambassador to me. I was like, well, that's a lot of pressure. So you're going to tell me exactly what to do in this situation. I was like, oh, I don't know what you should do. Okay, uh, God, help me here. And I just told them something. And I'm not sure if it helped their work situation, but as part of the prayer, I just said, and God, I pray you'd help them with, because they were obviously intoxicated, pray you'd help them with that side of things. Very short part of it. But God used that. It wasn't my wisdom. It was His spirit coming in that situation. All I had to do was be willing to step out and speak with them, step out and pray with them. And as I did, I, as I did, they were uh, able to see a change in their life. I'm not special. The same spirit of God that lives in me, lives in you, and can take your words and do something extraordinary through them. You do the ordinary. Let God take it beyond ordinary the second example of this from the book of acts is when the apostle paul is taken to the areopagus areopagus that's how you say it. areopagus i practice that so many times during the weeks uh, the areopagus which is an impressive large ancient venue on mars hill in athens that you can actually still go to today uh, a, a city that was filled with idols And Paul went there to defend what he is saying about Jesus. So we've seen how Peter shares this story. Let's see what Paul does. Paul's more well-educated than Peter. has a really different approach, really fascinating. Acts 17, we are starting in verse 22. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And by the way, through all the speeches and acts, this is the only time creation is used as a way of, of proving who God is, which I find interesting. Uh, but the main reason is because there was never any doubt that the world was created by a supernatural force in those days but it wasn't a major emphasis for them. So since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined the boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God, and perhaps feel their way toward him, and find him. Uh, Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Now what Paul does here is immense. It's studied in Bible colleges. He completely changes the way he tells the message because of the audience he has. He doesn't Uh, change the substance of the message he doesn't water it down to make it more palatable he maintains that there is only one god to worship and that he changes uh, he is in charge of all of history but the way he shares it brings it to the heart of what the gospel is all about the lordship of christ as proved through his resurrection from the dead there might be times and opportunities where we go into to spaces and we have conversations with people where we tell the story of Jesus in a way that is just something that God is leading us to do because it's what fits that situation. And you think, and I look at this and I go, it's, it's masterful, this is amazing. Surely Paul is going to have the same results as Peter, if not better, right? Verse 32. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, Oh, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Some laughed at him and said, Oh, this is craziness this thing that you believe, this message that you believe. it's That's not true. And we're going to get the same response sometimes. There are going to be times where we say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Here's the story of Jesus, how he's changed me, how he's transformed me, what he could do for you, what he's doing in the world. And people might laugh at us. But others might say, tell me more. Tell me something. Tell me something more about that. And I talked with someone once who said that they were in their workplace and people said, what did you do in the weekend? And he said, oh, I went to church. And they said, what? This is like a um, builder's uh, workroom." And they said, what? You believe in that God stuff? Come on. You know there's nothing to that God stuff. And he said to them, yeah, yeah, I do believe in that God stuff. And here's why. And he took just a few seconds to say briefly how God had changed and transformed him. And they all laughed at him in that setting. A little while later, his boss came up to him and said, man, that took real courage to share what you shared, uh, to say what you said. Can you tell me more? Can you tell me more about what you believe and why you believe it strong enough to face ridicule from those losers? (laughs) He just shared the story in a way that was meaningful to the people around him. Some laughed. Others, others wanted to know more. And that's what's required of us that this message, this this best news ever would flow out of us to be able to share it with others in a way that might be meaningful to them, but maybe a way that to us we go, it's just ordinary. But we'll let God do what's beyond ordinary. Last Sunday night, we just said goodnight to my friend who had stopped drinking alcohol when another person walked through the door a uh, well-dressed guy named Cyril, we'll call him Cyril, uh, it turned out that he remembered coming to our church when it first opened, to the South City C3 building when it first opened in 1953. And he would come along as a 10-year-old, and he would sit there and he would listen to the music. They had a good orchestral section there. They would play uh, music about Jesus, some old hymns, and there would be an orchestra. And he would love to come into the building and listen. And as he was driving past the building last Sunday night, he just felt like he wanted to stop. There was that building that I went to as a 10-year-old. I wonder what it's like these days. And so he walked in the building and he said, do you mind if I have a look around? I said, yeah, sure, let me show you around. Uh, Let's go up to the, the top and have a look down here. And he went, wow, this is amazing. This is fantastic. It reminds me of my childhood. But then he said to me a couple of times, he said, oh, I'm not a religious person. Uh, And I said, oh, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you know, I'm not into that religion thing. He said, but, but, you know, I've been involved in bands and all sorts of things, and I had some Christians that I was in this band with. And uh, they told me that I was pretty much a Christian, because while I didn't do all the religious stuff, I followed all the rules. I did the good moral things, and I behaved really well, and uh, I was a nice person to be around, so, you know, I'm pretty much as good as a Christian. I said, well... (laughs) I hate to tell you this, but what you've just described that you do, we call that religion. <laughs> you do all the rules. What, what we say Christianity is really about is a living relationship with Jesus. And we know that to, to really be a Christian is to know Jesus. And all that stuff, doing the rules, whatever, that comes from following after him, not just from trying to be a nice person. And he did this. He, he looked at me, long hard look, for about three seconds. And then he went, oh, is that the time? I've got an appointment I've got to be at. Oh, thank you so much for showing me around. And very quickly, and I said to him, hey, if you ever want to hear the music again, 10 a.m., 6 p.m., we'd love to see you here. Uh, and he walked out the door, and I don't know if we'll ever see him again. That's the way that we, we just step up and we do what's ordinary. And sometimes God does something that changes people. Um, And sometimes, sometimes they're not receptive to it, that's okay, that's up to them, but but when Paul finished speaking at the Areopagus, got it right, at the Areopagus, when he finished speaking there, he probably walked away and went, they didn't like that at all. No one wanted to hear this message. But then others came to him and said, oh, we do want to hear this message. I've looked at Cyril and said to him, uh, said about him, maybe he didn't want to hear that message. But maybe that was all the message he needed to hear. Maybe he'll be back. I pray he is. I pray God continues to do a work in him by his spirit. This is the greatest news ever. It needs to flow out of us. When it does, some will love it, some won't. But we need to do the ordinary thing of speaking. And let it go beyond ordinary. So, how do we do this? To do this, we need to listen to God. Listen to God and then do what He asks us to do. The key to effectiveness is connection to His Holy Spirit. I was talking to Chris Hurst just earlier, and he was saying that he was talking with some friends yesterday about climate change. And they got into a conversation about whether uh, he was anxious about it. And he said, well, I am concerned, but I'm not anxious because I know God holds all of history and that Jesus is in charge. And it became a way to talk about the gospel message. Just stepping up and speaking and going, well, actually, I know that the anxiety, no, it's actually about just stepping forward and sharing and seeing what God will do and where the conversation goes in really natural, easy ways. It's not about following a model or even doing exactly what they did in Acts, but responding to the situation and doing what God leads us to. And you know what I've found when I've done this? is that I always afterwards go, I could have done that so much better. I could have said this, I could have that would have been more convincing. Oh, that's a great line, I should have said that. But God uses whatever imperfect thing that we give. And he uses it to affect and change people. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.